This episode of Money Reimagined is sponsored by SIBO Digital. You're listening to Coindesk's Money Reimagined with Michael Casey and Sheila Warren. Hello and welcome to Money Reimagined. I'm Michael Casey and I'm joined by Sheila Warren, who uh, I've not had the pleasure of being with, my co-host. We've been apart from each other too much lately and it's great to have her back with me. It has been such a busy time. I'm so glad to get the band back together. Uh, But I have to say, I've loved the episodes you've done, and I know you've enjoyed the ones I've done. It's always kind of fun to do that, too. It is. It is fun. And I think we uh, we bring it. It's a different feel. But it's, it's, it's just better to have the band together. It always is. So, <laughs> so anyway, welcome to Money Reimagined, everybody. Great to have you here. Uh, listen, a little bit of housekeeping at the top. As always, please do not to forget to subscribe. You know, you can give us a thumbs up or leave a review. We do truly value your feedback. So share your thoughts uh, about this or any other of our episodes at podcasts at coindesk.com. You've got to use the subject line, Money Reimagined. Uh, and we really do look forward to, to hearing from you. So Sheila, look, I'm just going to start with a number. I think that might be a, a pretty good place to start right at this moment, you know, at the moment that this is being recorded. Of course, not at the time that our listeners are necessarily hearing this, but at uh, 3.30 p.m. Eastern time on Wednesday, December 6th, the number is $43,994.97. No prizes for guessing what I'm referring to. A high of 40,000, 44,445. Like, is winter over? I mean, wow. <laughs> this is like, is this so, this is, this is the most crypto things of all crypto things to like all of a sudden. Yeah, we're back. Like it's just it, it happens so fast. It is never ever boring. Look, what I think is also really important to know is the context in which this is happening. So you and I have, you know, quietly or sometimes on this show talked about there's other other, you know, shoes are going to drop or boots or whatever it is are going to drop and how's the market going to respond. But at this point, we have seen actions against pretty much all the major exchanges right? Binance recently, Kraken, Paxos, Coinbase, Gemini, all of them. Yeah. And the market has really absorbed that information. The market has absorbed the information. So I think a bunch of us, me included, were not entirely certain what would happen when the DOJ came out with their Binance action, for example, which we all knew was coming. And here we are. Here we are. And it's it's a rally. It's certainly I don't even want to say words. It, it is. But, it's, but what's, you know, like it's no doubt, I think, and unless we've all been living in some illusion that we thought meant something and something else, that the uh, the winter that we've been through was not just about, you know, the backlash that was created by, you know, FTX and the fallout and all of the leverage. There really was a regulatory story. The fact that there was yes. this action, it did, it certainly did. And we've seen pullbacks in spending and activity because people were nervous about the regulatory environment. And so it does feel like, okay, so if that's the case, how is it that if that is just continuing and you would think like literally actions against Binance, the biggest exchange in the world, including criminal charges against the CEO himself, all of that. And despite that, we keep rallying. So like it's the, it's this industry is fascinating for on but the way it will go around from whatever narrative happens to be big at the time. And I think right now, clearly there's a narrative that, okay, there's a lot of regulatory action, but at some point, everybody believes there's going to be this ETF approval. But I suppose on top of that, there's also this 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 way in which Bitcoin and, and crypto generally, by surviving the worst, what seems like the worst, then proves its use case. And people are like, 
Yeah. God, so it hasn't died. Isn't that something? It I hasn't know. died. Maybe I should buy this thing, right? I feel like the other thing, part right? of the process. It, it, the regulatory landscape being what it is. I mean, look, we still have no legislation in the United States. Nothing has gotten through. We still mm-hmm. don't have rules that have come out that have been finalized. You know, it, we're in this, we're not in a different place. But what those who know know is that things like enforcement actions or litigation, these kinds of things, they are they have an endpoint, right? So finance pays a fine. It's done. It's mm-hmm. done. Like that's how it works, right? So once these things come down, they're responded to. Sam Bankman-Fried, he's in jail. It's done. You know, all these things do have endpoints and the process can be tedious. It can be burdensome. It can be extremely dramatic. They can make the front pages and memes and all kinds of things, but it does end. And we are now seeing, I think, this kind of end of what I would call this phase, because I'm maybe a pessimist about this stuff, this phase of the major actions brought against centralized exchanges. Um, coming to a conclusion. Now, we still have outstanding Coinbase case, Ripple's case. Those are going to be very dispositive. And so I do think you're going to see the market having to absorb and respond to whatever comes out of those issues. But in terms of some of these other things, you know, when that fine is paid, when the mea culpa is issued, et cetera, that's kind of it. That's it. Mm. So the market's responding accurately to, 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 um, to those there's activities. There's a kind of a romantic way to frame this, right? And that is to say, these actions have an end, but but you know what doesn't have an end? The blockchain. Oh, <laughs> oh, oh I like that. But, but it actually, like, it, 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 is, it, is, it, is a, it is a kind of a bit cheesy, but on the other hand... Make a t-shirt. It does establish that, like, if you believe in this it's thing... It's true, it's true. And it's, and it's permanence, right? This the thing cannot not be shut down. Yeah. Then it doesn't have an end. That This other sort of very human, sort of politically driven, all of these, these classic parts of our non-crypto world they end. This other thing doesn't. And and that's what ends up sort of being valuable in the long run. So there's a, there is a, you know, I think, you know, have, have I ever yeah. told you my, my outlast strategy? <laughs> no, but I, I, it sounds like I have a lot of, I have a lot of mentees, you know, ask me at times like, Oh, you know, what's the secret to, to your career and this and that, which is a, a, always an embarrassing question because I don't really see it that way. Regardless, I say a lot of this is about sticking around. It's about just being around, right? So there have been times I've come into organizations. I was the new person. I had a lot of headwind. You know, my department, it wasn't personal. My department was reviled. We were new and shiny. Why were we getting attention? And I just stuck around longer than all those incumbents. And then, you know, that's how you win, right? So there's something to be said for the permanence of the blockchain because it is permanent. You can't unring the bell. It's not going anywhere. And honestly, the talking point now is whether you like it or not. It's mm-hmm. just proven itself over enough time now that you might have very strong views. And you know what? Some of those folks might even be right. Like, I don't even know at this point. I, I feel like on some of these tokens, who even knows? Regardless, this thing is here to stay. Technology is here to stay. Bitcoin is certainly here to stay. And many of the activities and the kinds of business models being generated and spun up around blockchain mm-hmm. are also here to stay. They may evolve, but they're not going anywhere, whether you like it or not. Well, that's a pretty good segue to actually uh, a certain figure uh, who pops up uh, from time to time in the chatterati around. Uh, so, and that's Jamie Dimon, who oh yes, so back who, again with a vengeance this morning, right? Who's decided that uh, the government should actually ban Bitcoin, which is yes, you know, oh, you know which is like to, to this idea, like if you've decided whether it will stick around or not, like it, it, you would have thought by now that the look, you can't ban it. I mean, let's be fair as well, like that. That is. That's also a bit oversimplified, right? There's a lot that governments can do, and we know that, right? And so yeah. there are certain things that you can certainly do to make life even harder. Unpleasant, than, unpleasant. Yes, and even more unpleasant than it currently is, right? 
but but the idea that you could just ban it and shut it down is is just seems a really yeah. uh, it seems like a very 2013 thing to be saying for, for well for, i was going to say Jamie diamond's been trashing crypto and trashing right. bitcoin for 10 years now over a decade i believe right it's been a long time he's been saying i wonder whether if it pop up then. and say you know what this is a comedy bit i'm sorry i've just been joking the whole time <laughs> yeah 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 exactly um, I feel like it's in Mission Impossible. He'll rip the mask off and it'll be, you know, <laughs> yeah. So he, I think the context in which it came up this time, though, is really important because in the past he'd be in Davos and he'd say words or he'd say something in the press or he'd rant mm-hmm. at some summit here and there. This was in response to Senator Elizabeth Warren. Okay. Yeah. So, okay. So we're now at the time of the calendar in Washington by way of background where, you know, Washington trots out a bunch of CEOs or, or leaders and shouts at them. So yesterday was Republicans shouting at college presidents about uh, protests on campus. OK, today was the big bank CEOs come out and they get their annual, you know, dressing down. OK, yeah. but what was unexpected was that Senator Warren took her time, her allotted time to uh, basically ask questions only about crypto vilify crypto and mm. solicit Jimmy Diamond's complicity in this. Well, which, and which, which said, pointed out yeah. the bedfellows of, of that they are yeah. and yeah. That their alignment on this is unexpected and unusual. Which, is, I mean, this is, there is no greater irony in many respects, right? Yes. Like, like if you were to point to the person, if you were to ask Elizabeth Warren from 10 years ago, hey, just, just on the side, who do you think embodies and personifies the concept of too big to fail oh. Wall Street more than anybody else? Which name would she come back with? I mean, Jamie Diamond is it. He dun, is, dun, dun. is they are the survivor. They are, they, <laughs> yes. Jay, I, I assume it was rhetorical. It's a rhetorical question. It, it, Jamie, Jamie Morgan, <laughs> like, it's just, that's it, right? And so the, this idea that they're now aligned know, back know. in crypto is well, also, utterly, Michael, in this year of all years, with so many things that have happened with the banking system, okay, there's no shortage of content for Senator Warren to kind of hammer Jamie Diamond and anybody else on. This is the choice she makes. It just really felt bizarre to me if i may if i may and it felt um it felt like a, a bridge too far you know yeah. what i mean it's like come on now come on now no, I'm just like, why i mean it, this is the only trick she has now I've been on this thing for like two years now i can't get off it what is it why wouldn't she just say oh maybe i should shut up shut my mouth a bit well or why shouldn't i take use this time to take on banks who are my historical enemy right. like right. i don't need to bring in right. this entirely orthogonal yeah. concept that is particularly in this but, bank hearing you know, that's right. It's a bank hearing. It, look, I, I was someone who came in and I hesitate to assign malevolence or, you know, uh, anything to people. But this level of uh, look, you got to admire the commitment she has. She's very committed. Anytime yeah. she has a chance to have a pulpit, she uses it to trash crypto. And there's a consistency there that I'm like, hey, you know, there's something to be said for you know, a one trick, a one note you know, song. I mean, OK, but this was a particularly strange one. And but I, I mean- think it does show the threat that crypto really feels yeah. like to traditional financial institutions and to, you know, some of these folks in Congress. I will say like it, to me, it's been one of the greatest disappointments of this whole thing because she was a hero to me. I'll tell you, like, yeah, you know, same. I, I, know. I, oh, I, know. I, um, you know, the, the, back then when I really, I wrote a book about the financial crisis and sort of, uh, you know, this, this, this big, I supported her Senate campaign. I supported her Senate campaign. And then to see this, this sort of like, it's really, it just feels, it feels like you really, when your heroes let you down, then you got to learn how to go. I don't have heroes. Like let's have something that someone else, but, but anyway, I mean, it's... Um, well, even heroes are fallible, I suppose. Again, we don't want to put judgment on it, but like, it does feel like this day is like, why? Like, there must be some it's some intent bizarre. here of some sort. Bizarre. It's, it's just obviously the, the, the It's always politics, but like, why this particular political choice? All right, so that's that. Do 
you have a trusted partner for your crypto trading? Cebo Digital will introduce financially settled margin features on Bitcoin and Ether January 11th, 2024, with physically delivered contracts to follow, listed and cleared on Cebo's US regulated exchange and clearinghouse, and complemented by a liquid crypto spot market for greater ease and access. We invite you to learn more about this and all applicable risk disclosures at slash coindesk. That's slash coindesk. Now, and so therefore, again, to this point, like here it is, Bitcoin, over 44,000 today, and, you know, more or less at that level. And yet, not only is there, you know, the most powerful banker in the country and a very high profile senator bashing crypto in this high profile environment that is literally in front of Congress, in Congress, but in that, not in that same house, but in the other house, you've got, you know, McHenry, Patrick McHenry um, saying that he won't run for re-election. And, and he is... Really, in some respects, the not just he's probably not the biggest crypto supporter. I would think that Tom Emmer would probably own that spot in the house at least, but certainly the most influential in terms of his position of power, and I think probably most sophisticated as well uh, of the crypto supporters in terms of his political savvy. So, yeah. I mean, again, you, you you sit here and you go, Jesus, the wheels are falling off, you know, like all of this sort of like institutional support within Washington for this industry is just evaporating and the bad guys are getting the loudest megaphones again. So, but well, okay. Mark is still going along. And so what do you, what do you make of the, the, the yeah. Mechanic? Yeah. I think there's more to it than that. And so McCarthy as well. I, mean, as a I, I do yeah. think, well, McCarthy, well, those are, okay, let's talk about that. Two separate things, but like, I just think we should, these yeah, are, these McHenry. are different things though. And it's important to note how different they are. Right. So number one, McHenry announced he's not uh, going to, you know, continue, but he has another over a year left in mm-hmm. his tenure as leader of the financial services committee. So, don't count him out yet. Okay. Mm. This is a guy who is looking for a legacy. Mm. He's extremely sophisticated. He is an operator. He is highly respected on both sides of the aisle by a lot of people. Um, he was temporary speaker for goodness sakes, right? So he was picked by McCarthy to be the guy that stepped into that role, even though he didn't want it. So don't mm. count him out yet. I think um his desire, you know, to go out with a bang is 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 non-trivial. And I do think he is so well regarded that there could be some movement there. So, you know, every challenge is an opportunity. Okay. So that's one thing. He is not, he is far from gone. McCarthy, however, has announced he is resigning. That is different. Yes. He will be gone. And he is a very visible figure. Now, obviously, it did not work out for him as speaker. And we all saw that whole situation, I'll be polite, go down. But nevertheless, it's a blow to the Republican Party. It's a blow to, uh, his agenda, you know, et cetera. So those are very different things. Now, to get back to McCarthy, Kevin McCarthy was never a major, you know, supporter or other no. of crypto, but he wasn't an opponent. He was a person whose job was to get things to the floor. And he would definitely have taken his best friend, Patrick McHenry's bills to the floor had he remained speaker, which he did not. Mm-hmm. The new speaker is a, no one knows. That new speaker has a bunch of stuff he has got to get through. Okay. Mm-hmm. He's got to fund the government. He's got to there's the National Defense Authorization Act. There's all kinds of bills that are critical to the functioning of America that have to get through. And the way this tends to work at this time of year is fully baked bills that are ready to go can get shoved in as riders on some of these things or not. The challenge is we do not have a fully agreed upon stablecoin bill. Okay, mm. We don't have one. It's, it does not exist. So it can't get shoved into anything, which means we're pushed to next year to January Q1 or to Q4 of next year, 2024, to see if this thing can get through. But I would not count, I would not count Patrick Henry out at all. I think that, you know, he, he there's no indication his priorities have changed necessarily. 
uh, he is someone who can get things done and it will remain to be seen what he wants to do with his remaining time. That is all TBD. So we have not lost anyone yet. We just have to plan ahead to think about what happens next. Now, what does that mean? What happens next? Well, number one, no one knows how the election is going to turn out. So first of all, if the Democrats take back the House, which is not impossible given Republican implosions that keep happening, right? And all the people who said they aren't going to run for election again, for re-election, so many of them have come out and said this. So we're looking at a bunch of seats that are up for grabs. With the, I will say it out loud, gerrymandering that's happened, most likely we're going to retain the balance of power. Regardless, there is every possibility the Democrats could take back the House, in which case, who would the leader of that committee be? Probably Maxine Waters. Maybe she still wants it. Who knows? Okay. On the Republican side, who would the next leader be? There's a couple different options being floated around. One of them is somebody who is lukewarm at best on crypto. One is someone who is extremely strong on crypto, French Hill, who knows the space mm-hmm. extremely well. Who's, who's, who's the former one? Who's the first one? Luke Meyer. Okay. And you've got Heisinger. And Heisinger is somebody who is smart and savvy. He, he knows the policy, but he hasn't necessarily been as astute at the bipartisan you know, work that's required here. Okay. Which all of that could change. There's mentoring that can happen. Who knows? But we are facing a situation where it's an opportunity as well. And so I think we have to recognize that Patrick McHenry, no one five years ago was like, that's our guy. He's the guy. He's, you know, you just never know. New talent comes up. This is the nature of the house. Every two years, the whole thing changes. The game changes. Leadership changes. And sometimes you know who's going to be the leader. It's very all kind of cookie cutter set in stone. Tends to be more on the Democratic side. Republican side, you just never know. Okay. You just never know. I mean, it was a more stable environment, um, you know, Years ago, I think you had a lot more kind of like people would sit in these. That's not what is going on. Many, many years. It's certainly not the case. Oh, no. It's been wild to watch it, you know, from being in the middle of all of that. It's been wild. But that's the world we're in now. So this is more of like a balls in the air situation, you know, going into the next election and possibilities to figure out, like, who can we bring on side? Who's going to understand the opportunity that crypto represents? So, okay, And so therefore, also, let's flip it around, because this is a world where, you know, you're you're actively involved. But what is the industry's? opportunity and responsibility now, right? And I think we can also put this in the context of what I started out this conversation saying. It's like, it, it would appear, at least from a market perspective, that we are no longer in winter. And and in fact, we're seeing this already a lot, not just in terms of the prices, but weirdly, you're once again seeing searches of Bitcoin price and everything else coming from the Tom Dicks and the Harrys, right? It's There is a general revival as happens cyclically in this thing astoundingly of interest in this space. And we know, of course, there's institutions who are just like, you know, there's announcements from SockGen and all there's the tokenization stuff going on, but you've got all these ETFs, BlackRock yep. seeding, saying they're going to seed, you know, whatever it was, $100 million into their into their, uh, their ETF to start with it. There's just like, there is a high level of commitment to this industry coming from both institutional and retail interest once again. And so that being the case, what should... The, the the community be doing to position itself for the opportunities that you were just describing? Like literally, how do you educate whoever that new leadership really, or should they be lobbying for leadership? And what what is the, because I don't know that we've done it. Twofold. Best. I don't it's know twofold. we've handled it very well in the past. Number one, build useful products, period, full stop. Okay. Right. Very good. That is the number one accusation levied against the industry is that it's only used for speculation. There are obvious counterexamples to that that have been trotted out multiple times. They are yeah. not, for whatever Absolutely. reason, as compelling as the problems that we've seen. And so in this moment where we have not only a resetting to some extent, I don't want to be overly dramatic about it. Nothing ever really resets in Washington. It's always Washington regardless. 
we have a bit of resetting that is going to happen over the course of the next one to three years. Okay. So we have that opportunity. We have people that are new to this. They don't know much about the space. They don't know if it's one of their issues yet. They don't know if they care or don't care about it. They also don't have necessarily perceptions beyond the media, which they may or may not have paid attention to. Okay. They also weren't caught up in any of the sort of SAM FTX nonsense. These actions, Binance, all that, those are names that all that's going to be behind them before they even kind of come into positions of power or pay attention to some of this stuff. Okay. So that's one thing. The more useful products that are built, the better off all of us are for obvious, obvious reasons that I should not have to articulate further than that. That's number one. If you were a builder, build. Okay. Good things, things that matter. That's right. The second thing is recognize that politics and policy are a long game. These are jobs. There are people who are highly, highly skilled at doing this and know what they're doing. So consider whether your engagement is productive and a good use of your time or whether being called on to do things and being responsive is maybe a better situation. Because the reality is for all of these Sturm and Drong and this and that and showing up and blah, 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 you know, at the end of the day, there are still a number of voices that are heard more than others. There are still a number of people that listen more than others. And there are folks whose entire job, and I'm not one of these people, but I have people in my you know, roster who are these people, entire is to feel that out and feel, feel which way the wind is blowing, you know, who's open, who's not, who's this. That is a full-time job. People spent decades protecting that expertise. Mm. Those people in crypto are not those people, okay? And we've had this kind of like homegrown confusion, which I don't think is necessarily helpful. So I think acting collectively, you know, acting responsibly, acting responsively are kind of the ways to go. Now, that being said, you know, you should get to know your Congress people. You should be talking to your senator of your state, your congressperson from your district. That is worthwhile because you are a person who is in that district and you vote in that district. So going into your congressperson who will always meet with you and explaining why you do what you do, why it matters to your state or to your district, to your city, what to the world, whatever it is, that is always a useful conversation. And that's true universally. People should take advantage of that open door on all kinds of topics and go in and make their views heard. For sure. But going to Washington, setting up a big thing, da, 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 like individually, I'm not sure that that has been effective. And I think it's actually been in many cases counterproductive as opposed to going collectively, you know, which which when you're not speaking for just one company, but for like a broader industry or showing up as an industry, that is actually more helpful because then it's not seen as being um, shady, it, it, shall we yeah, say. Well, it also okay. diffuses the risk, right? And that's not to that's say right. that there are you know, and the cost and the cost. Right. But I mean, I hate to say it, but there, there may well be another FTX out there. Right. And and so there almost you know, certainly and, is. Yeah. You know, you don't want to be exposed to that risk. And the way to do that is to decentralize, is to spread the risk across multiple uh, entities and a, and, and a truly representative body. And that is, is sorry, but we don't look, let's, let's not necessarily dive into what that would look like. But I do think that it's a really good point that we, um, the industry needs to sort of be recognized to sort of its commitment. I think that's, that's one of the things that's so frustrating is like, you know, you get to know people who've been building in this space for a long time and how serious they are, ones who yes. really care and how much they've put into it and how far removed they are from this stereotype you get of the, of the, well, of the you know, on, speculative bro and so Yeah. Forth. On that point, here's what I find so funny. Okay. Cause most people who have stuck out these multiple cycles, you, me, you know, other people, you know, we are committed to a broader proposition and we know that that takes time and the time it takes can be frustrating for sure, but it's not surprising, right? And those kinds of serious-minded folks, they get how long it takes to bring something like this to market. And I use to market very broadly to the public consciousness, right? However, they somehow expect in policy things to be really fast. And it's like, no, why would you? That's yeah. not how it works. It's the same time frame. It's the same yeah. time frame, right? 
So sometimes I get folks calling me like, why has nothing happened? Why don't we have this? And I'm like, because like anything else, policy is tedious, extremely tedious. It is laborious. It involves concessions. It involves compromise. It involves pivots, right? It's not something you can do quarter to quarter. You have to have a longer term concept and plan that takes time to execute. And along the way, you get small wins, of course, but like it is a consciousness raising exercise. Like this entire proposition we have dedicated this part of our careers to is, right? It's the same. It's the same. Yeah, it is. It is actually, in fact, the analogy is even stronger because if you think about governance within crypto itself. Yep. Think of how long it takes for a right. Bitcoin upgrade to happen, right? You know, right. how long did it take for SegWit to finally get written? Because it's That's difficult, right? right? It's, and it's it should take time. That's not bad, interest. right? right. We're right. talking right. about massive but, but, sea right. change. And I think massive this is the thing, like, so this is what worries me most about, you know, once again, being back in the up cycle is just how fast it seems to happen. And therefore, the expectations that come with that, oh, maybe there is a lot of money to be made in crypto. So they're all jumping on the bandwagon. So it, that pushes things even higher. And we get once again, this high paced, high energy, everybody's excited. Like, well, no, no, no. Can we just slow things down a little bit? Like you don't need, it doesn't need to go to a hundred thousand. You know what I said? Someone in, in I, one month's yeah. time, you know, I got to answer the question you asked me again. Cause someone's like, what's the best thing crypto? And I was like, I think crypto should be boring for a while. That'd be yeah, great. Yeah, boring please. is great. Boring I mean, I, I try, don't get me great. wrong. Having had the most <laughs> difficult, difficult, professional year of my life. Oh, I know. Uh, at Coindesk. Uh, and we look, we're in a much better place and everything's right. But that was yes, just, right. uh, yeah, but to have that really painful pare down that we all felt so much from, you know, as the market just dried up and our industry, that you know, ultimately, whether we like it or not, supports what we do in our journalism. I'm more than happy to have this thing get a little bit more flush. Uh, so, yeah. you know, but at the same, same time, at the same time, I, yeah, I mean, I'm with you. Like, I mean, I don't necessarily want to have to go through this big old retrenchment again, you know? And so get boring, really. This is okay. Just I mean, look, my, my worst nightmare is the next Sam emerges and there's what, it, you know, again, my take on that was always, we used existing laws to stop that guy that after mm. the harm was done, right? So mm. I worry that people are going to be like, oh, scramble, 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 throw money into everything. And we're going to have the same. I just worry that we have not put enough checks in against that. And I'll tell you now is when I get to make my joke. But we did not talk together yet about the whole open AI, Sam Altman thing. And what I've been saying and watching this from the perspective of Washington and seeing how that guy, I mean, look, I have, I don't, I've met Sam Altman all of one time. I have no personal opinions of any, I have lots of views on AI, but not on him personally at all. But I mm. have to say, watching Washington court him and recognizing that his name, yeah. is literally, Michael, we had Sam Bankman. Uh, now old, we have Sam old, Altman. Old you cannot make this stuff up. Oh my God, Wilcoin, the alt. Like I was like, are you, I am I, does no one else see this? Sam yeah. Bankman, who worked with bank, really, Sam Altman. Oh, Come man. on. Yeah, Come no, on. Very, good. Okay. very good, Sheila. Very good. They're no one both, else has spotted this. Okay. I mean, you got to be kidding me. So I just. Yeah, one Sam for another. One Sam for, one syllable, one syllable, and it, it uh, overhyped yeah. technology. AI is great, but we it's overhyped. Let's be honest. Yeah. Okay, come yeah. on now. Okay, just the way crypto was, it was overhyped for a long time. Let's be honest. So my view on this is, what's to stop the next person coming in who's, oh, I am tokenizing real world assets, and my name is Sam Zygmunt, and I am going to run around Washington and throw money everywhere and be courted and go to all the take off like, the mask. It's a different Sam. Are you kidding? Yeah. I mean, oh, that, that's, there's that's, nothing to stop that happening, Michael. Nothing, yeah. and no, that is. What so, I so I have a lot actually lots to say about the what people are sometimes referring to as the Open AI Weekend. You know, I, I think like what an, what an incredible ride that was, and I think again this happened in the interim where you and I have a chance to chat together. So. Yet another yeah. thing that, that we can we can reflect on here. 
And I think really quite relevant from a decentralization perspective, because we cannot stop AI. And the thing that bothered me most about the the pause letter, you remember there were like hundreds of scientists and all these yeah. eminent people who came along, so we need to pause AI, was that it was literally saying we need to pause now, right? At this amount of, of development technology, you know, R&D and work that has been done by our companies, so pause it now means essentially capture our regular, our model and enshrine yep. it in a, in a political protection, right? So this is Web 2 on steroids, right? This is the idea that a few very small platforms get yeah, to control everything, right? That is the core problem, right? So, so what do we need to do? We need to break down the problem of, you know, who owns, and this is what I was talking with Sandy Pentland with last week, like, like who owns the data? And is the source code open or closed? Yeah. First thing, like OpenAI no longer open once they created that private entity so they could now raise money and employ people with options and so forth. That's now closed source. Okay, great. So we yeah. can't look at the source anymore. The data is all owned by the very same companies other than, well, not other than OpenAI because Microsoft is a major investor. Microsoft has all this data as well. But the Microsofts, the Googles, the Facebooks, you name it, the, ones, the only ones who have enough data to be able to run the massive large language machines are these platforms because they're the biggest ones, right? This is in the book that you know, Frank and I are working on. And so like, you've got this click of powerful elites who control the data. We have no visibility. These algorithms that have already been corralling us through this stuff in the Web2 world now going into these AI machines that we also don't know why that are creating these things. Yes, that's scary. But the scary part is the fact that we have no visibility, no auditability, no ability to look at this. It's not that AI itself is bad, right? So what we need to be doing is actually opening the whole thing up and, and, and forcing audits of, of the processes, the code, the data. Is it at our data, not their data? Let's give it back to us. All those things need to happen. Instead, what we had and it was maybe well-intended. I, I really don't know. I, I don't certainly pass any judgment on, on the individuals the way this was necessarily created, nor on the board members themselves. But it was, you know, a board of, what was it, four or five people. Were they elected? I don't know. But either way, they're hardly representative of, of, of something as big and as important as humanity. The only check and balance that we had on OpenAI was these five people. So what happens when they rightfully got very nervous about some of the things that OpenAI, under their closed, controlled model, were doing was to say, hey, slow this thing down. And that got Sam Altman <laughs> pissed off at others. And they pushed back. And then they tried to fire him. And then, of course, it was read in the mainstream press as a coup by the board. And so, and then he managed to sort of play this thing. All of the employees, because they care about their returns on the money that they would make in their closed proprietary system, are about to leave. And you can't win in the AI world if you can't have all those brilliant employees working for you. So he wins and he turps out the only institution that was there to keep him to account. So what are we left with? We're left with the victory of the same centralized corporate controlled data manipulative model in the financial interest of the very few who control it. And the whole conversation has been about, oh, did the board win or did Sam win? When in fact, there's no, we all lost. And that is the biggest concern right now. Yeah. There's no one having this conversation properly about how do we open it all up? and have auditability for human beings about what's going to happen inside these machines. Sorry, that's my rant. That's my- I will so tell you something. I'll tell you something. I went into a very well-known senator's office about six months ago, and I said, I, I drew connections to an AI and blockchain, okay? That in my mind were very obvious. And I did it at the level you normally have these conversations. I didn't make it technical. I was, I, the reaction was- um, hilarious on some level, but it was, I was almost laughed out of the room. Like there's no connection between AI and blockchain. 
And when I made, and I was like, well, listen, there's a reason I oversaw AI, yeah, data, exactly. you know, metaverse, yeah. whatever at the World Economic yeah. Forum, right? Because surprise, surprise, architecture is architecture, oh, yeah. right? And I mean, yeah. and now, of course, that office is called and like, hey, remember when you said da da da? And could we get more information? But I mean, I was mocked and ridiculed and laughed at. I mean, I'm being dramatic, but like, they were like, oh, please, this is yeah. a desperate attempt to try to make blockchain yeah. relevant, crypto relevant. You know, I was talking about tokens, all of these things, like, what I've realized over the course of the last five years, being in various you know positions around this stuff, is nothing really ever changes. Okay, we just apply different names to things. We draw connections that those of us who are technically minded always knew were present, but they don't become real to people until a problem emerges and there's some sort of like crisis seeming moment. Now, I will take OpenAI governance crisis moment because it could have been a lot worse. The mm. crisis could have been AI does some crazy, horrible nonsense that is destructive to God knows what, children, whatever. Okay, who knows? I will take a governance crisis as a way of kind of forcing the conversation. But we are in a world now, and you know this better than any as a journalist, that we were not in 10 years ago. We weren't even necessarily, I'd say, six or seven years ago, where the media cycle drives so much of what people are willing to listen to mm -hmm. and willing to take seriously, even when it comes from somebody that I'm a very trusted advocate to this office. Okay. They trust me. They know me. They know I'm not going to BS them. They were just like, oh, come on. AI and blockchain and token. Mm -hmm. What? What are you talking about? You know? So it's just, um, I, I think one thing we have to understand as an industry is we, we tend to go, we go, we're so earnest about it, right? We're so lovely and earnest or we're like mm. horrible, but that's a different issue. Right, but right. But we're serious, are earnest, that is not what gets the job done, sadly. That's really interesting because that's what I, I've, I've, had I've had to yeah, learn this. I've had to learn Yeah, I thought the earnest, okay. that's a really good point. I thought being earnest, because it's it. That's not like, the that's world I, we live in. It's not the world, we live in the right. world where people rage quit Congress, okay? I mean, that's what's happening right now. Like, right. that's the world we live in, okay? This, yeah, we're not, not, we're not. Some of us, are, some of us, have got way too much self-interest, and some of us have got too little self-interest in a way. I right? think that's like, right. Like, and those of us like you and me who are like, we're really in this for this. I know. Like, I mean, God, here, what? Like, yeah, I mean, I wrote a column about this ages back and saying, like, like I, I, yeah. I saw a tweet from somebody saying, "Hey, all of the people who are invested in Web three in this quarter, all the VCs are now flipping, and now they're investing in AI." And I just took that and said, like, they are one and the freaking same. Yeah, <laughs> the same. Why do you? Why do you? Why is it a dichotomy? This is ridiculous, right? Oh, connected. But inevitably, yes. Everybody else thinks that I'm being ridiculous by suggesting they're the same. And so, um, but yeah, because I see the problem of centralization of control of human beings. That's the way I see it, right? And yeah. um, I I know that in this data, in this world where data is the commodity of our age and we have this entirely interconnected online system, that that's a very dangerous proposition. There's no way that a centralized government's going to be able to fix that. The only way to solve it has to be a decentralized, you know, ledger keeping system of which blockchains happen to be the only one it that we know of. It all depends but, on yeah. what you think the problem is. And so you and I got into this for very similar reasons, different places. I got into it from a very acute problem I was dealing with as general counsel around data. Mm -hmm. so I got into it from a data you know, the story is well documented. So in, in this from a, from a data perspective and being very concerned about privacy around data and data issues and data centralization and honeypots and all of that, that was my entry point to this entire conversation, this entire industry. And I, and for you, I mean, you have origin stories around Argentina, currency, devaluation, mm -hmm. all these things, right? These are very acute. We were dealing with actual problems and we saw a solution in this. And so when you don't come from that perspective of having personally you know, had to be responsible for solving a problem or had had consequences from a problem or whatever it is, it's a very different take. And so we're very invested in understanding the core root of that problem. And we're sophisticated enough, and many are as well, I'm not making this exclusive, but this is what, why we have this show, 
to think about this in those kinds of ways. For a lot of people, they still see this as I went and I made money or I didn't make money. And I'm happy about that or sad about that. And I care about that or don't care about that. And that remains the dominant narrative around this stuff. Now, one thing before I know we have to close that I want to say, which I find very interesting, Michael, is guess mm-hmm. what arguments being made now about large language learning models and AI? Have you heard the energy arguments? I uh, mean, are yeah. they not created? Yeah. Okay, so now we're having yeah, the absolutely. exact same, almost exact same conversations about yeah. is this a moral question? This is a worthwhile investment of our limited and scarce energy resources to create these gi- giant language learning models. And if they're going to be captured by individual corporations and the benefits only accrue to shareholders, those corporations and, and leadership, is that a good use of our energy? You know, oh, it's the same stuff. You're going to get the frauds going to come because, of course, there's been tons of fraud in this space and no one's caught. That's coming. It's You're going to just watch AI go through the same cycles. The same, anytime something is this touted and lauded and everything in so many spaces, it is just a matter of time before you know other things come crashing down. And, and it's I'm not going to watch that with any kind of glee or happiness, but it's literally the same conversation. It's That's slowly bubbling yeah. up. Okay. Yeah. So here we go is all I have to say. All right. Well, let's, uh, let's, we are going to have to wrap. <laughs> it is kind of nice that we went from a discussion about the end of winter to back and like, how are we going to confront this new era we're in? I do want to tell people like, since we are uh, now talking about looking forward, but we are looking back. One thing to, to do to look back is to look at the CoinDesk most influential list, which came out this week, always a hot button issue. And Sam Altman, one of the ones we just talked about uh, is on that list as well as, you know, some people like Casey Rodemar, who's the creator of the controversial ordinals theory, you know, Brian Armstrong with the launch of base layer two on Coinbase. Everyone knows Brian, of course, lots of others, all with NFTs that are uh, uh, artworks. Some of which are a bit, our good friend Elizabeth Warren cracks a mention. I don't know if you saw the artwork on Elizabeth Warren, which how happy she'll be about that one. But it's, uh, it's, it's actually pretty wild. It's an interesting project. We do this every year, of course. We just figure out influential does not mean good. Caroline Ellison, for example, is one of the, one of the worst features this year it means influential, that you had an impact in some way or shape or form. And it's always a hot button issue. People wish they were on it. I wish they weren't on the list or whatever. Check it out. Coindesk's most influential, always a lot of fun. And as I said, NFTs uh, of artwork attached to those figures, some of them quite provocative and, and, and intriguing and certainly thought provoking. All right. On that, it's as always a pleasure. So glad we got to do this again, Sheila, together Yay. for once. Thank you all of you for joining us. Do make sure that you come back next week for another edition of Money Reimagined. Uh, remember, of course, if you uh, enjoy this, make sure you subscribe to it. Give us a thumbs up. You can give us a review. Please uh, just give us your feedback. You know, you can uh, email us at podcast.coindesk.com with the subject line, Money Reimagined. We do love to hear from our listeners. All right, that's enough. I'm it. I'm done. Okay, bye for now. See ya. See ya.